the rolling, 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 rolling. This is some very Patriot Act level stuff going on. If you remember the waivers I had you guys sign at the beginning of the podcast, (laughs) there were some additional surveillance rights included in the smaller language of subsection three, article two. And then I just had some cookies installed on your computers the last time you came to Roll20. But I think the real question is, are you logged into Roll20 right now? I think is the... I am. I did that before we started. That's that's how you, get, that's, that's how you got me on the, on the image. Oh, that's right. That's how I secretly turned on For your For once, camera. he did not forget his password. No, see, that's part of the Patreon benefits is like you guys will have to be doing some reality house spy camming. <laughs> oh, no. Being a cam girl was part of what y'all signed up for. So just be prepared for that. I need to buy a new webcam. Wait, wait, on on the low, I think I accidentally hit save password because I just clicked the button and I was in roll 20. I purposely logged on early so I can play around in roll 20 just so I didn't have to hear y'all mouth, but I logged in immediately. <laughs> hey, everybody, welcome to the Gimme Dilute podcast the Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast where I let the players paint me into a corner and now dick wizardry is canonically a school of magic in our campaign. My name's Turner. I'll be your dungeon master and voice of pre-show announcements at least until I master the art of the deal as well as Todd the Tiefling, at which point I can cruise on to Easy Street. Episode 14. So we're at the very back end of the Hex and the Sagacity arc. Once we get that completed, we'll do another arc recap DM splitting with the crew going over what their favorite moments were. And then the guys are off on the next leg of their adventure. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. We do sincerely appreciate you making time for us and your busy podcast listening schedule. New or old, we'd love to hear from you. Head on over to social media and hit us up at GMDLcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, but really mostly Twitter. And speaking of feedback, if you've got a second, head over to whichever podcast platform provides you with your entertainment and click a few stars. Hit that subscribe button. Maybe leave us a review. Your feedback helps make us more visible to new listeners, which helps spread the highbrow entertainment that we've worked so hard to bring each and every one of you. Our Patreon is up and running. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash GMDLcast to check out some of the great benefits that you get from helping support the Party of Five. We just finished recording some video content where the guys go head to head in a PvP tournament for bragging rights and a trophy. It was really fun. And it's just one of the great things that we've got in there for the people who help make the podcast even better. If you can't support financially right now, we understand, but you can still help us out. Tell somebody about the podcast at your local gaming shop, one of your friends, families, coworkers. Again, be safe, be socially distanced, wear a mask and get vaccinated. But word of mouth is an extremely valuable tool to help a new podcast grow. And, and on that point, I do want to say thank you to everybody who gave us a signal boost recently on social media. We absolutely got some new listeners because of it, and we really appreciate the effort. And also 
By the way, we really appreciate our patrons who've come on to this point. You guys know who you are. I'm not going to call you out by name, but you guys have got to jump in and interact with the party on Discord. You've gotten some of the additional content. And more than anything, I just want to say thank you for joining the party. Cool. As far as announcements, remember, you can always catch Jamie on his other podcast, Three Angry Gamers. And Harlan is still doing regular appearances on the Pop-Up Film Podcast. I will drop links to those in the show notes below. I've got a couple of streaming appearances coming up for charity one with the Games Tavern and another to support Jasper's Game Day, which is a fantastic organization. Both of those streams will be with some incredible people for some incredible organizations. I'll put a link to Jasper's in the notes below. And as soon as I have the details on the organization for the Games Tavern, we'll share that with you guys as well. Cool. That'll do it for these announcements. Once again, thank you, all of you, whether you're a patron, a regular listener. Hope you enjoy the show. All right. And we are back with the party of five. Guys, say hello. Hey, this is Harlem playing Todd the Tiefling, your favorite bounty hunter's favorite bounty hunter. Hey, this is uh, Andrew playing Moyle, the Dragonborn cleric. This is Jamie playing Eldrin Thaneros, the Horizon Walker and Prey Stalker. And uh, you can find me on the Three Angry Gamers podcast. This is Jazz playing the know-it-all wizard, Fate. Um, I'm on Twitter at E-T-X-J-A-S-A-N. And this is Anthony playing Babatunde, the uh, barbarian. Real quick recap, guys. You guys got set up at a slightly shady bar slash inn that potentially has criminal connections, but definitely has an omelet bar in the morning. So you guys have made that your temporary base of operations. Got introduced to Agnum the Sage and established a relationship there where he believes he can help you with your pentahedron situation. But in return for his services, he has sent you off on a quest to deliver a package in the Fields of Madness, a, a zone of unstable magic and artifacts that is the byproduct of a barge reckless use of a supercharged bag of beans several decades ago. You guys did a little shopping before you headed out, and we pick up the morning of the morning after that camping session with you guys on the edges of the fields of madness. If you refer to the D20 map, you guys can see a ancient hand-drawn map of what this looked like. This is actually something that one of the guys that I played second edition with created by using a bag of beans 20 years ago. And this is kind of how we I sketched out the general location. So in that southeastern corner of the map, there's a gap in the, what our two groups of a group of trees and kind of like a swampy area by number 37. That's how you guys will be entering in in a moment as we approach. That'll be your starting point. And then we'll talk about how the rest of this will work. There is an Excel spreadsheet that is a key to the map in the Discord. So you guys wake up the morning after your your road trip, having camped out and enjoyed a meal prepared by none other than Todd the Tiefling and find yourselves now at the edge of what the has been described as the fields of madness you can see a a 40 acre rectangular piece of land with a uh, appears to have been fenced off for a certain portion and there is a worn path that leads up to a semi gated area that appears to open into the field. What I mean by semi-gated, it's got like an archway. There's not an actual gate that's closed shut. You can see what looks to be an Aarakocra in a uniform talking to a group of three humans um, and giving them a a rundown of what what the Field of Madness is. And then you see them kind of dash off into the field. 
did they seem happily dashing or like like fear yeah fear or they were excited there was a there was a lot of like bro fist bumping and chest pounding uh, they they looked to be a trio of fighters that were particularly interested in going into the field and and checking it out mm, it's like a, walking up on a theme park or something it's craziness. All right. So who all knows about the field of madness here? Do I know anything about the field of madness? Give me a history check there, Fate. Bet. Uh, 26. Jesus Christ. So you've read about Taliesin and kind of the surrounding uh, surrounding areas. You know that Taliesin was founded on the the huge underground complex that became, you know, that was originally a central interest point to adventurers. And over time, a cluster of other landmarks seem to have sprung up around it or have been discovered around it. Nobody's really sure if it's a, which came first, whether all these adventurers being located in one area facilitated a discovery of all these mysterious landmarks or if they got into shit and created them. Like the Field of Madness, everybody knows, was created by this particular bard. The Lake of Questionable Intent, nobody's really sure how that was discovered. The Forest of Nagging Doubt is is something that everybody suspects has been there for a while, but they're not really sure. The Pasture of Proud Pugilance has been a center of fight clubs for years. But the Field of Madness was 20 years ago created when a bard received a supercharged bag of beans and began planting it out in a field he purchased close to Taliesin. After the first two or three disastrous instances of weird shit sprouting out of the beans, most logical people would stop. But this particular bard didn't, and he kept going till every single one of the beans were planted in this in this 40-acre field. It did a couple of things. One, it wrecked havoc as a number of mystical oddities popped up out of the ground. Uh, but it also created a, a pocket of magical disruption and chaos, which has some additional random effects to it beyond what was initially, initially encountered in the field, which has caused it to become somewhat of a almost a, a eco, like a little pocket ecosystem of magical randomness and danger. It's become a little bit of a rite of passage for new adventures to, for Taliesin to come and check it out. The ever-shifting and renewing nature of the field means that there is a evergreen source of potential loot that pops up from time to time, but it's not of a significant weight or value for seasoned adventurers to always be out here, especially when you weigh it against the risk. Because that's the other thing that you do know is while there may be treasures to be found, there are absolutely dangers to be encountered. You've got that tapestry that Ognum gave you that gives you the layout of the field that seems to restitch itself each morning. The, the, the tapestry itself was actually harvested from the field. It's something Ognum kind of imparted to you guys before you left. So it's actually an artifact of the field of madness from itself. So it, it's very much like the, the Marauders map from Harry Potter, except with the individual artifacts. You can see on the map the entrance. Uh, they, they eventually fenced off the field to protect people from wandering into it and to give the Taliesin Parks Department a little bit more control over who entered the field on a on a day to day basis because of the gotcha. you know, because of the crazy ass nature of it. You can see on the tapestry dead center next to a tower is the icon for the beanstalk that you guys are supposed to climb to deliver the package from Ognum 
to this castle in the clouds, this giant in the clouds. That's your target. You've got the option of making a beeline directly for it, which will push you past a, a number of obstacles, or taking a more circuitous route and exploring a little bit to see what you might discover. But there, there is risk tied with that reward. The you know if you went in a straight line, there are a couple of things that you're going to encounter no matter what. The landscape itself is almost a little bit like a dome. Like if you think of that that tower and that beanstalk kind of being the center, the land slowly rises up towards that center and then slopes down on the other side. So you can only get like a line of sight view from the entrance directly to the beanstalk into the tower, and then the curve of the land starts to obscure your view as you go around that side. So you you won't be able to see a portion of the obstacles kind of on the, the northeast side until you kind of get around that curve of the land. You can also see, just even standing outside the gate, there's almost a little bit of a heat shimmer that pops up from time to time that you're not sure what it is, but it definitely obscures the view and seems to almost move around randomly. Hmm. All right. Well, knowing all of that, Fate is going to be cautiously optimistic about their chances because he feels like he knows way too much about this this area to really get into serious trouble. He understands that it's dangerous, but he also is confident in his own knowledge and abilities. So that being said, he's like, well, gentlemen, um, you know, we need uh, we need to deliver this so we can get back to Ogden and figure out how to uh, undo the situation we're in. Shall we go straight straight to it? Yes, uh, uh, sir. Uh, shouldn't you try to turn on your your ability that we can all communicate just in case? Something bad um, happens. That, that's a good idea. I mean, that's a good idea. I, I certainly can if you, you know, if you felt that it was a need to. I just figured we'd all stay together at this point. I mean, what if someone but, falls in a pit? I think it's always needed. I think, I don't, I don't think uh, it's, okay. All right. All right. Well, then. Um, how long does it last? I forgot. Here we go. Ooh, that is a good question. What? 10 minutes per <laughs> activation. Oh, oh okay. Well, then, no. No, I'm not turning it on right now. Oh, then never mind. I thought it was like a day thing. I'm sorry. My bad. <laughs> All right, so let's get to walking. Which way are we going, guys? I mean, to the beanstalk. I know, to the beanstalk. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing that you guys would need to do would be to approach the, the Aarakocra at the, the gate. Yeah, we'll talk to Eric, and then he'll lead us to the beanstalk. <laughs> oh, I thought we was at, okay, so we're not there. Let's go talk to the bird man. All right. Uh, Baba, how about how about you start this conversation off, please? What what happened to that boy? <laughs> <laughs> right, you guys uh, head down the path, and as you get closer, you, the air coker comes a little bit more clearly into view. He's uh, tall and has a lot of the common uh, elements that you would uh, expect to see in in a bird person. He does have kind of shimmering white feathers, which is uh, a unique uh, a unique uh, element. Most of the other air coker that you've in- encountered tend to look a little bit more. Or bird of preyish or or raptory in their coloration and and their features. This guy has a little bit almost of a of a waterfowl appearance to him. He's wearing a variation of the uniform that the Taliesin guards wore at the gate, but instead of being the maroon and gray colors of the gate guard, they are the green and gray colors of the Taliesin Parks Department. He holds up his hands to prevent you guys from walking through the gates uh, as he uh, as you approach. He goes, gentlemen, good morning. I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to wait a moment. Okay, Ranger Rick, what's going on? Uh, Why? 
Son, yes. my name is not Rick. Oh. My name is Swanson. Swanson Ron. <laughs> and that's when it clicks that, oh, this guy looks like a swan. Okay, that's that's what the difference is. He looks like a swan bird person. As an authorized member of the Taliesin Parks Department, it's my job to inform you that we only let one group of adventurers into the fields of madness at a time. Frankly, I don't care what you do. If you want to run in there and burst into flames, that's your decision. But I have a responsibility to follow the rules of the department. If you guys will just hold on a moment, I don't think those other gentlemen are too long for this world. As he says that, you can see the three broy guys, the three broy fighters, kind of approach what looks to be like a crystal clear pool of water, and you can't really hear what they're saying. But but you know, judging by their body language, there appears to be some kind of I dare you, like I dare you, no, you do it, no, you do it. And the one guy finally dips down and cups his hand into the pool of water and, and takes a sip. And you all have we were we were talking about Indiana Jones earlier, and you guys are familiar with the scene from. The Last Crusade, where the gentleman chooses poorly and his body rapidly ages several hundred oh. years in the span of a few seconds. Well, that's what happens to this gentleman. You see him stand up for a second and, and kind of beat his chest like he's proud of what he's did. And then he pauses and he begins to gasp for air and he claps at his throat. And then his body shrinks and desiccates. His skin begins to wither and, and age spots appear on it. His hair instantly turns shocking gray and then wisp out and disappear before he was nothing more than an emaciated skin-covered skeleton that bursts into a cloud of dust, crumbling as his equipment falls to the ground. One of his buddies screams immediately and he begins to make a beeline back to the gate. He makes it about 10 steps before a large hand that looks like it's wearing a glove to make it look like a trapdoor spider pops out of the ground and drags him into it where you hear the muffled screams come from underground for seconds before shutting off. The third third gentleman, uh, clearly panicked, goes to his pack to pull out a scroll and begin reading it. And you see some some magic start to spark up around him. Apparently, this guy had a little bit of know-how to where he could cast a spell or two. But as he goes to invoke what appears to be uh, fate, what you would recognize as a teleportation spell to get the fuck out of there, bursts into flames and spontaneously combusts, leaving nothing but a wisp <laughs> of faintly minty-smelling smoke drifting on the air. Oh, God. Swanson turns to you and goes, Gentlemen, I believe we have an opening. Enjoy. Oh, fuck. So uh, of of this 40-acre park, these guys made it 10 feet in? Number 19, I believe, is what they made it to. Hang on <laughs> for the reference. Uh, so for the listeners, the guys have a map in front of them that corresponds to the Fields of Madness. 19's a crater. I thought it was six. So the swamp, 40. That looks like the only body of water. Is a oh, the pool of water. Number six. I'm sorry. They made it to number yeah. six before... <laughs> Number six. That was that's how far they made it. Okay, I see it. I got it. Directly through the gates. You, one of the first thing that you guys will have to pass by from the distance that you're at, you guys are about 30, 40 feet away, is a totem pole that appears to have five figures on it. So mm. this is what you guys can do. If you guys say, Hey, I'm gonna make a beeline for the beanstalk, you would just you'd have to go by the the totem pole. You guys would have the option of interacting with it or just walking right by it. You guys would have to go by what appears to be a small little cottage, like a small little house at number 20, the crater in number 19, the pool of water in number six, the spiky cube 
and number 14, the gray ball at number 28, and that would bring you to the tower next to the beanstalk. Which one's the beanstalk? Number 23. Okay, that's the right. beanstalk. Okay. That guy right there. Gotcha. We're going this way. What you're saying. Yeah, if that's if that's the shortest path you can take. If you guys just want to ignore everything right. else, I mean, and make it make a dash for it. Is the shortest path of least resistance, guys? Or do we think? I don't think that's the safest. That seems like the dumb way. I don't think that seems too good to be true. Fate was feeling really confident about you know just wandering around and meandering about in here, maybe trying to see if we could find us some loot, and then he just watched that happen. So now is a little shaken. Um, I feel like maybe we should just go ahead and uh, try and avoid as much as we can. Yes. Uh, I, just... I mean, we we can look for traps and shit. I mean. Th- I think that there we're more likely to hit some problems if we go straight there. That seems like the, what if, the most obvious way to go. Uh, seems okay. like a bad idea. Uh, that being said, let us talk to his totem pole. That being said, just one moment. Let's talk to the totem pole. Yeah. One, one moment, please. Yeah, I'm not. Check it out. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you do that, before you do that, please just uh, give me one second. He kind of turns around, uh, steps to the side, and casts Mage Armor on himself. <laughs> <laughs> you stay casting that Mage Oh, do we get all our hit points back from the last? Yeah, you guys are completely fully rested, completely spell slots fully restored. Everything is, is back up and running. You guys are in peak operating condition. And uh, I have advantage. For on what? <laughs> For what? I just thought I'd ask. Never hurts to ask. You know what? That's fair. That's that's fair. I'm okay with that. All right. So what what's the plan, fellas? Do you guys want are you just going up and talking to the the totem pole first? Can we check out the totem pole? Like is there anything notable about it or investigate? So the the way that these will work, you guys basically have to get within 10 to 15 feet of the individual item to interact with it or engage with it, do inspections, manipulate it, however you want to do it. Unless you're specifically casting a spell from a distance, and I will need to know if you're planning on doing that in advance. But yeah, you guys can walk up to the totem pole. What you notice about it immediately, it's five dwarf-like figures. They look like a strange beardless dwarf with kind of a bulging forehead stacked on top of each other. Give me everybody's marching order real quick. Fate seems to be the one who knew everything about this map, so I mean... Yeah, he... Fate's going to, uh, after casting that mage arm, he's going to kind of nudge Baba up front. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. You cowards. Well, I will go first. I'll, I'll take second. And Mr. Not. Squishy. Mr. Squishy. <laughs> I'm always good for running. You cowards. I will go first. <laughs> All right. So we got we got Baba, Fate. Who's third? I'll go third. Todd. Uh, I'll, go. Then I'll go fourth. Moyle or Eldrin? I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll take the rear. So you guys approach the totem pole. It's five strangely beardless dwarves with kind of a bulging forehead stacked on top of each other. You notice that they are positioned in slightly different positions. The bottom dwarf has his hands covering his mouth. The dwarf up from that has his hands covering his ears. The dwarf on top of that has his hands covering his eyes. The dwarf on top of that is holding his nose. And the dwarf at the very top has his hands kind of outstretched towards the sky a little bit. But the way his fingers are kind of splayed out look slightly odd. You can see perched at the top of the totem pole is a staff of some kind, which has a gem sitting in it. Guys, let's let's imitate the totem pole. That's what I was going to say. There's like hands over eyes, mouth, nose. What was the other one? 
Ears. Ears. That's four. Nose and then one stretched out, arm stretched out. Hands raised to go. I'll stretch my arms out, I suppose. Can we, um, can we, can we get on each other's shoulders? Do we? Oh, (laughs) this seems like a dumb idea. This sounds like a terrible idea. I mean, you guys have got the strength and acrobatic prowess that you certainly could try and do a human totem pole. Can we try it not human totem poling first? And then <laughs> if that fails, we can try the human totem pole so we don't just like fall and... and I mean, we, to be fair, it would be a multi-species totem pole. Well, one of us needs mm-hmm. to go up and grab that staff. Can, can, can we investigate this even more? Can we, can we get closer? Yes, I agree. What are, what are we trying to accomplish? I would like to know what this is here for. If everything in here is magical, maybe they can talk to us and give us some clues. Maybe they have something. Well, clearly those dwarves are bigger than a normal dwarf. We know none of this. It is not impeding our path. Let's go. Does the staff look like it's part of the totem or just resting on top of the totem? There's no way for you to know unless you climb to the top of the totem pole and find out. Ugh. Or or find some way to bring the staff down. I, how tall is the totem pole? So five feet for every dwarf, and there's five of them, so 25 feet total. When you say that the foreheads are enlarged, are you talking about like someone who's 600 plus that sort of large forehead? Is that what we're looking at? No, I'm saying slightly bulging like Akira as his psychic powers kicked in. Okay. I love that movie. So I think, I think, Bobby, you should just climb this totem pole really fast and get that staff for me. Go. Oh, man. Go. I don't know. <laughs> Go. I don't know. That seems like a bad idea. I'm doing nothing for you. What? I, I really think Moyle's on to something that we should try to imitate what they're doing there and see if like something happens. Just just why would it be here if it, with all those? I don't but know. It is not stopping us. Why am I? Yeah. Why do but I look care? Look at that, that staff up there. It seems like something we could use oh, later for. I, do I look like I need a staff? <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm now I'm with Baba. He has won me over to his side. Oh, my God. I don't need no stinking staff. I could use the staff. Well, then you climb. Well, then you need to figure out how to get up there. <laughs> get to climbing, sir. Mr. Mage Armor. Um, I, I don't know. If, hold, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Do you all not remember my last attempt at climbing? <laughs> so <laughs> then it sounds like we should move forward. Eldrin is getting annoyed <laughs> and just puts his hands over his ears just to see if anything happens. Nothing's happening. Okay. J- just you are doing it? Just me for now. I mean, yeah, I nothing. Know. Nothing happens. OK, well, yeah, let's all let's all just we don't have to stay get on each other's shoulders but let's uh, let's just imitate the the tone pole all right i'll uh i'll put my hand i'll put my fingers on my nose but maybe is that which is that the right order that you're in wait what he what? asks us out marching who's, 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 who's first uh, you're right all right can you turner can you uh tell us the from the from the bottom up what the order was again this wasn't the order that they were at the beginning this is the order they're in now <laughs> <laughs> Was the speak no evil pose, hear no evil pose, see no evil pose, smell no evil pose, hands up in the air, hallelujah. I got I got my hands on my nose like no, 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 no. I'm, I'm in the middle. I'm fourth. I'm in the middle. Yeah, but I'm fourth. But I'm smell no evil. No, that was third. I'm smell no evil. No, smell is fourth. Yeah, I'm fourth. See is third. Todd, you're third. Thought- There's two ways. It, I, it could either be the first person or the last person that needs to be doing uh, the, the hands up, so. Either way, Todd gets to see. He gets to cover his eyes. Okay. My, my eyes are covered. I wish it was me who wasn't having to look at Todd. <laughs> <laughs> so Todd's got his eyes covered. Moyle's got his nose covered. My hands uh, are raised up. Bob is covering his uh, mouth. I'll cover my ears. All right. We all sit there and we look stupid for a minute and we see if something happens and... 
nothing happens. All right, switch the order around. Switch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, let's wait, 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 wait. Flip it over so that uh, my hands over my mouth now, and then right. how uh, about how about we all just change positions and keep the same pose? I mean, that's a, either way. Baba is annoyed. Baba's not the only one. <laughs> how about you shoot? Use one of your arrows to shoot the staff out. It's probably booby trapped. <laughs> <laughs> let's, go, let, let's go do something. All right. I have no need for the staff, so you can do your magic. I'm not climbing up, so I mean I, that's fine. Let's move. Let's just real quick before we do this, and I know it seems like I create a lot of opportunities to, for Todd to put himself in a compromising situation, but <laughs> let's remember that Todd has the ability to jump to use his jumping ring. I, saw, I, I know to jump particularly high. So hypothetically. Todd could jump up there and grab it. I got one jump in me per day. Or you guys could climb up the uh, the uh, the totem pole, one or the other. I have one jump. I can use that jump once per day. I was not using it for this. So pass on the staff and the totem pole, correct? I mean, there will be some pretty good bragging rights about all of your athletic achievements if you just reached up there and snatched that thing off like you grabbed them off the top of the basketball backboard. I mean, if you can jump that high, you should jump that high. Is it? You can definitely try to climb. That would be a retribution for your last attempt. Mm, no, nah, it would probably just end up. I will climb go, it. Up. Okay. All right. Moyle's uh, climbing. Okay. Athletic check. Yes. How tall are you, Moyle? Six five. So you're going to put your hands on the Hear No Evil dwarf. I need you to make a wisdom saving throw for me. Ugh. See? You, you got arrows. Shoot your arrows. I'm not fucking with that thing, man. I'm trying to... <laughs> I'm trying to get it to do stuff. Moyle, as your hands come in contact with the wood of the Hear No Evil Dwarf, you feel a slight pressure building on your ears, almost as if your eardrums were going to burst, but then it, it, it abates. You know, you're able to pop a piece of gum in and chew it and able to get the pressure to drop. And so you you avoid the deafness curse that is triggered by touching this dwarf. Mm. Mm. Okay, so... I think I figured something out. What would that be? Each one of these has a curse related to its pose. So uh, my ears hurt like uh, I was on an airplane. What the fuck's an airplane? A steam-powered bird machine. Oh, okay. And so the next one, I might go blind. And if I get past that, then everything might end up smelling like Todd. (laughs) But... Then if I reach the top, I might be divine. Hallelujah. Okay. So real quick, just for world building context, airships do exist in Arnosia. They are primarily manufactured by the Dwarven communities. There are a number of Amsunian, which is the military center, flying warships. Zeppelin technology is very much in its infancy. There's talks of some goblins over in Medavia experimenting with it, but most airship technologies is a combination of arcane kind of steam rotary technology and and spellcrafting they they look like the uh, airships from final fantasies one through six let's say pixelated no zeppelins yes very blocky yes very blocky contours so what are you guys doing are we moving on past the, the totem pole we are gonna stand on each other's shoulders i'm gonna jump off and we're all gonna stand on each other's shoulders no no that's not happening the question is fate what do you do you want the staff and what are you willing to do to get the staff i am willing to assist not people die okay we're not going to do this the, the person who wants the staff doesn't want it he clearly doesn't want it <laughs> I, 
I want this guy. Moving on. What if there's a hammer on top of it? Risk versus reward assessed. <laughs> Decision made. All right. Last call on whether or not you guys want to fuck with the totem pole of five senses and risk a curse related to the associated sense to get the staff, or you want to move on. Will no one shoot an arrow at the staff. Do you really you really want me to shoot an arrow at the staff? If this thing Go for oh it. Oh my fucking god. Says the guy with a hammer that comes back to him when he throws it. <laughs> I don't have that kind of accuracy. I'm not an archer. Hey, Fate. Yes. Fate, why don't you yes. just pay the Akakru, whatever his name is. Mr. Mr. Ron, Mr. Ron. The bird man. <gasps> pay he him. can fly. Um, I, I don't, uh, I'll try. Um, Yeah. Excuse me, uh, guard. I tried off over to the guard. What can I do for you, son? Uh, Mr. Swanson, was it? Um, I was wondering. Swanson Ron. Yes, Mr. Mr. Ron, if you want to call me by my sur- surname. Swanson is my first name. Okay, so Swanson. Um, would, I, would it be possible for me to be able to pay you to grab that staff from the top of this totem pole? Son, are you trying to bribe a city official? Yes. <laughs> no charm, no deception. Oh, a persuasion check at disadvantage here for me. The timing was excellent. I love it. Chef kiss. Ah, seven. No, roll at disadvantage. Seven is your is, oh. is, is the oh, best case no. for you right now. <laughs> that was almost a net one. He looks at you and just goes. Enjoy your time in the fields of madness. And then he goes back to the gate, sits down on his stool, appears to pull some bacon from a bag and go back to munching on his bacon and whittling a block of wood into a miniature canoe. Yeah, I was going to ask him where the gold is buried. Okay, well, uh, so much for that attempt. You. Here we are back again. Really low effort, guys. The path forward leads you... To the, on the right, there is a a gray square. It is just a flat gray square. So to the right, number 30, there is a what looks like almost a concrete slab sitting on the ground, flat, but it, it it's not concrete. It's, it's a solid stone that you would have to get closer to identify. On the left-hand side, there is a bush that has some something glimmering in the branches, and then directly ahead is a large crater. Ooh, shiny. I head towards the uh, bush. Okay. It is a kind of a waist high. It's a three foot high George bush. It's like a boxwood. It's a medium size Taliesin boxwood. But inside ah. the branches, if uh, there's something that has almost a ruby like glimmer to it, you can't see what it is without touching the bush or sticking your hand in to grab it. Oh, See, this seems way riskier than just, you know, doing a pose. Todd has learned his lesson from putting his hand in pots <laughs> in the past. That he's not just running into some random bush anymore. He's learned his lesson. Fool me once. <laughs> they have a saying where I'm from. <laughs> fool me once. Shame on you. Uh, fool me twice. Can't fool me again. It's <laughs> a good bushism. How many times did you get fooled there, Todd? Really, you got fooled like three times. So, Fate, can you just burn that bush to the ground? Like, just <laughs> fucking nuke that thing. I suppose I could. Is that, I mean, 
We're just going to show up into the forest and start setting it aflame? It's magical. It'll grow back. Didn't you hear the guy at the beginning? Also, wait, wait, wait a second. Do you guys not remember what happened to the last person we saw trying to cast a spell here? I thought that was a lake. Doesn't matter. Fate, give me an arcana check real quick. All right. Please be better than a seven. Eleven total. How much? <laughs> All right. So even with only getting an eleven, remember I talked about that slight kind of strange, hazy visual distortion? Yeah. You recall seeing that around the general area of where where the guy was when he tried to, to use that scroll to teleport out. You are not currently in an area experiencing that distortion. I am moving it around randomly. Okay. If you want to cast a spell, you can do a perception check beforehand to see if you're standing in that area. If it's a pretty low DC, if you notice, you're basically you're kind of looking around to see if there is some kind of chaos distortion happening currently. All right. And then that will give you a clue as to whether or not it's safe to cast a spell or not. So I should roll now to see if... Um... Yeah, you can do a perception check right now. Okay. So then, yeah, I'm going to do that, see if I can spot it. And then if it looks clear, I'll firebolt the bush. Just to be perfectly clear, to keep it interesting, the DC is fairly easy, but it's going to be a high-low roll, and I'm not going to tell you which it is. So sometimes rolling 1 to 10 will give you the right answer. Sometimes rolling 11 to 20 will give you the right answer. Oh. You won't know 100% for certainty unless you either you crit in either direction. But with a 15, you're fairly certain it's safe to cast a spell right now. All right. So then uh, just because of, you know, magical nature of the totem pole, I'm just going to okay. firebolt the bush, see what happens right at the roots, try and set it up from the bottom. Cannot fucking believe you guys firebolted this. Everybody give me a dexterity saving throw. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> There's one item in this field that grows magical fire seeds that all you have to do is reach in and then you can have these combustible little mini fireballs. That's the thing you just decided to firebolt. <laughs> oh, my God. I blame Eldrin. Whoa, hey. Will my danger sense kick in on this? Absolutely, it would. What happens is fate begins tugging on his onk and sparks out the firebolt after kind of sniffing around for a little bit and tosses it into the bush. And almost like a fizzing crackle, like the sound of the firecrackers you used to set off back during the elder celebration in Sama Baba, you realize shit's going bad and you immediately start to leap backwards. So we've got Moyle with a three, Eldrin with a 19. Todd with a 13. What's the 13? Wait, why do I have a 13? Yeah, it's a... Yeah, you rolled a 13. Or a 7 with a 6 bonus. I'm sorry, I looked at an older dexterity saving throw where I had to roll the 24. I'm so sorry. I was like, what? We know you're logged into roll 20, but are you logged into the same roll 20 that we are currently there? I am. Listen, when I click... That shit is like two screens up. When I click the dexterity (laughs) saving throw, it for some reason put me on one we'd run earlier at the top and okay. I had a 24. It's the one that's highlighted for me. So right. Everybody who got a 15 or higher saved. Jesus Christ. Sorry. Yeah. What dumbass do, do a bolt? Dumbass McGee. <laughs> I mean, you're talking to Eldrin. Eldrin is the one who said to set it on fire. I just said you could set it on fire. I didn't say you know, it. You asked me directly. You said, <laughs> can you burn this thing down? This is why I didn't want to shoot an arrow at that other thing. Just saying. And again, we're we're messing with things that aren't stopping us from getting to our goal. I don't understand. But there's loot. Give me the loot. Did you not? Did you not see the shiny object in there? Did you not see the shiny object in there? I don't understand. 
Oh, what is all those dice being rolled for? Oh, <laughs> oh no. Oh, no. Everybody who saved takes 12 points of damage as when the fizzing stops, the bush bursts into a well, pretty standard-sized fireball, almost as if you had cast fireball on yourselves. Moyle and Todd take 24 points of damage. Actually, God damn it, Todd, you take 12 because you are fire resistant. Oh, so good Moyle, God. Good God. Thank God. <laughs> that would have killed me. Moyle, you take 24 points of damage. Todd, you take 12. Everybody else takes 12. You only have 24 hit points? 26. Jesus. Yeah, it would have kill, almost killed me. The second thought, I, may, I, might, I might win the tournament. <laughs> y'all, y'all are soft. Y'all are soft and squishy. One thing in here that's fire related, and you guys set it on fire within 10 seconds of encountering it. Awesome. Our genius guy didn't even look at it, didn't investigate it, just shot a fireball into it. Listen, I was under a lot of pressure, okay? Oh. You guys are already on me about the damn totem pole. Did we get to the next thing? All that pressure of me, whatever. I can't even Listen. get a heal from Moyle because he's going to need to heal himself. I know that. <laughs> on top. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding. Not being in a combat situation, Moyle, I think you would have been asking about prayer of healing in the past. Should I use that? Is that what you're implying? This would be if, like, if you were going. This would be the time you could use that because of the amount of time that it takes to cast it. Okay, prayer of healing up to six creatures of your choice that you can see within range. Each regain hit points equal to two d8 plus your spell casting ability modifier. This spell has no effect on undead or constructs. Bring us back, Boyle. Bring us back. Yeah, you could heal all of us. Wait, do I have to wait for my turn? You guys never really were in combat. <laughs> no, okay. that, spell, that spell takes 10 minutes to cast. So you guys can uh, lay out a blanket, have a nice little picnic for a minute while you mile cast Prayer of Healing. So th- everybody gets 13 hit points back. So everybody except Moyle is back to full health. So you guys are standing there in a circle, charred and barbecued, looking like Daffy Duck after he crossed Bugs Bunny or Elmer Fudd after a particularly nasty shotgun accident. Moyle sits down. Uh, Moyle, I, describe what your prayer of healing ceremony looks uh, like. It looks <laughs> like uh, me sitting cross-legged, lighting up a cigar and puffing on that and um, uh, with my eyes closed, uh, just mumbling. The extreme sunburn and first degree burns that all of you had on the front halves of your body are wash away with the cooling puff of cigar smoke that billows up from around Moyle. Moyle, you aren't healed to full, but everybody else is back up to full health. Good. I'm so happy. I'm so happy for everyone who put us in this situation <laughs> when I had a javelin to poke the bush with. Eldrin? It's fault. I mean, I didn't make you do shit. Yeah, you did the shit. You chose to throw that fireball. You chose to do it. I didn't throw the fireball. I chose to do it at Eldrin's behest. That's what I, that, I mean, you chose. To. All right, guys. So we're basically, I don't think we're moving on. <laughs> right, is anybody going to try and grab the shiny thing? Because, I mean, we definitely got there, burned. There is, there is like a twig standing up out of the ground where that bush used to be. Like a little fucking Chernobyl happened. <laughs> he definitely destroyed oh. it. 
<laughs> you guys got fucking Looney Tune blasted by it. Moyle huge you back up and you guys are fresh and ready to head forward. So if you guys continue along the shortest path, you've got kind of, if you're standing at the bush right now, uh, you can either go closer to a kind of a billowing cloud or the crater, or you can kind of go further to the north, which would take you close to the pool of water that that the guys drank out of. Good old 19. Mm. You're going to have to either go closer to the cloud, closer to the crater, or closer to the crater, or unless you want to go pretty far afield, which is going to push you by some other items. You said closer to the cloud? With- I say we head uh, to our north to the cloud. That is 19. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, 19 is the, no, uh, it's the, the crater. crater. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I we head towards 19 at the crater. I vote crater as well. You guys are pussies. This guy wouldn't even shoot an arrow at a totem pole. <laughs> in his defense, remember what the last time he shot something that had a gem in it? You remember what happened? He also killed the baby though, so he doesn't he doesn't discriminate in just shooting arrows at random things. Oh my god! <laughs> at random shit, yeah. Well, hold on. When he when he shot that uh, last crystal, it brought us closer together. Thank you. Oh, that's so sweet. I had no desire to be closer to you. (laughs) (laughs) Aw, my feelings are hurt. Moyle's a lot more sensitive than you guys realize. (laughs) Gonna roll some perception checks. It's a lot of rolling you're doing. I don't like it. Yeah, who are you, Fred Durst? Yeah, what are all these? Well, there's five (laughs) of you walking by the crater. So, Baba, as you are walking by, give me a perception check real quick. With the 13, you don't notice the Ankeg pop up out oh of the sandy God. pit oh. until <laughs> you are dead even with it. So you guys uh, are walking by the pit and Baba and Fate are a little bit heavy footed, more heavy footed than they probably should be. And you start to see the little bit of a rumbling on the surface of the sand kind of down in the pit and a large ant lion, an insectoid creature bursts up from the sand and sprays acid at you. Everybody roll initiative real quick. Can I also roll a nature check to see what I know about them? Uh, yeah. 12 on the nature. What are you specifically trying to figure out, Baba? Just, just more their combat tendencies and just kind of how to survive this battle. Anything that would help in that regard. I'm thinking about monsters that you would have encountered in the jungles and mountains of Sama where your home is. And while I don't think ankegs are natural to down there, you are familiar with ambush predators. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, going down into the pit is probably a bad idea because you're not sure if there are other ones down there or not. And that's definitely kind of its turf. Step one would be, you know, let's stay at the edge of the pit and make it come up to you if at all possible. Okay. Okay. Moyle, you're up first. Mm, Okay. There is a chitin covered. It's it's got like like big mandibles and almost like a triceratops plate coming off the back of its head, multiple arms. And its its body is only half up out of the sand, but it is popped up and it looks to be like it's preparing to unleash an attack at you. I will use thaumaturgy to try and knock it off balance. You cause harmless tremors in the ground? Won't it knock it off balance? I mean, you could scare it. Ooh, <laughs> I got an idea. Told the dead. You point at one creature you can see within range, and the sound of a dolorous bell fills the air around it for a moment. The target must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or take 1d8 necrotic damage. If the target is missing any of its hit points, it instead takes 1d12. So you probably should have waited till someone hit it. 
Correct. No, I think it's uh, probably has damage living in the, this swamp area. Yeah, it, it rears up. It has a total of six legs, but the front two are locked forward in almost like a praying mantis position. The large double set of mandibles, you can see something dripping from its jaws that you're not sure if it's venom, but it looks like it's about to spray it out at you. Now, you can cast Thaumaturgy on the ground around it. You don't think that that's going to probably throw it off its feet, but I'm not saying that something won't happen if you do that. You could absolutely cast Toll the Dead on it, or you could... Do you have spiritual weapon memorized? No. You can throw one of your brother hammers at it. You can cast a spell at it, or you can rush down into the pit and attack it with your full hand warhammer, or you can hold your action for something later in the initiative mm. order. So it's in a pit. Yeah. It, the, the pit... It didn't come out like of a pit or anything like that. So it, I have to go down there to attack. Yeah, it. it's like it's it at its center from where you're at. It's a steep slope, sandy pit that's th- thirty feet below where you're currently at. Not, but I mean, it's a big enough in diameter that it's not like it's not like a pit trap. Fate fell into. It's like a you guys ever see sand lions? You guys ever mess with sand lions as a kid? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's exact. It's a it's a fucking sand lion pit. That's exactly what it is. It's a depression in the ground so you guys are in this kind of grassy open field with these kind of with kind of this way you know pretty pretty well what appears to be well manicured turf and then there's this like sand trap with uh, this white crystalline sand that kind of dips down towards the center and as you walked by the vibrations of your footprints triggered the ankhegs tremor sense and it popped out and initiated the encounter so it's in like a loose packed sand. So if you went down there, it would be considered difficult terrain, Todd, which would just limit some of your movement options. I think you have that hand crossbow. That uh, exactly. I'll inflict wounds. Yeah, that's a oh, touch spell. Damn it. Um I mean it's right now it's in the center of the pit. So it's a, you know, it's 15 feet from where you guys are at at the edge of the pit, kind of by where you're at. You could definitely you could definitely advance to it and attack it, but that means you're going to have to step into the sand of the pit. Okay, I will. I'll toll the dead. Okay, so it's got to make a wisdom saving throw. Six. Yeah, it's not very crafty as a insect. Digging a hole and waiting for people to walk by is the height of its ability. I take my staff and uh, point it at the insect that's from Starship Troopers. I can't edit that out now. You realize like, I have to leave the whole Starship Trooper bullshit in. You had Swanson Ron in there. I, I don't see why Starship Troopers can't be in here. I mean, are they going to come to us? I don't give a shit about the references. Make all the references. Your first fucking adventure was in a Chuck E. Cheese. If you don't think I'm comfortable <laughs> with doing some derivative shit, you have not been playing the same podcast as I have. Well, I mean, we've got uh, Duckies instead of a Bucky's. Duckies is its own individual intellectual property, and anybody who contacted <laughs> me with a cease and desist order can piss right the fuck off. Um, one's a duck, <laughs> one's a beaver. I can just try. I can redo this. <laughs> I, okay. I point. Uh, I point my my staff. The uh, which has the the head of a a small a shrunken head on top of the staff, and I point it at this large praying mantis looking insect, and 
I cast Toll the Dead on it, and um, small ghost-like uh, evil-looking spirits come out of the mouth of it, float over to the creature, and um, are breathed in. Okay. Roll damage? One point of damage. One point of damage. Really, uh, really put in a lot of work on that one. One point. I know. I saw. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you really showed it who's boss. <laughs> <laughs> Todd, you're up. All right, so uh, what's the land like around me? Trees, any bush, anything I can hide behind or from wide open? The overall landscape is kind of a, a, as we talked about, it's kind of like a rolling plain with kind of like almost like a well-manicured lawn, almost like a football field, like a natural turf football field, kind of low-cut grass. But there is a gentle curve and rise to the to the overall field to the terrain so there's no way for you to hide with where you're at because right around the pit there's nothing but open grass you would either have to go run and try and hide behind the twig you could try and go and run over and hide in the cloud could run over to the pool of water you could run over to that gray slab like you would have to run over to another element of the field of madness too and i'm taking anywhere that would be that would be in distance so if i was to go 30 30 feet in my distance all the way back. I'm in one of those yeah, other areas. You, yeah, you can reach any one of So you can reach the gray slab, the pool of water, this thorn of cubes, or this cloud, or, I mean, running back to the twig of the bush that you guys exploded won't do you any good. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, just shoot him with my crossbow because I can't use sneak attack because no one's five feet within him. No one got close enough to in damage distance, right? I can use it at range, but I think someone has to be within five feet of them. Yeah. Well, for for range, yes. I don't think you can get your subclass ability to kick in at range. I think you've got to be within melee for rakish audacity to kick in. Yeah. Yeah. He does. Yep. You can just shoot an arrow at it. Roll to hit. Yeah. 11. Todd pulls his hand crossbow out of his pocket. There's this weird little bloop as he pulls a crossbow that is really too large for the average pants pocket, especially... The leather pants that Todd wears. They're very tight. Aims down, sights at it, kind of holds his breath in, squeezes the trigger back, and then watches the crossbow bolt arc gracefully over the Ankhag's head, Shit. landing in the sand behind it, which causes another set of rumbling, and a second Ankhag pops up out of the sand. Oh, no. So at, at this point in time, I use my next move to hide behind Moyle because he's bigger. Yes, than that is a very tough move. <laughs> <laughs> I directly hide behind Moyle. Okay, so roll stealth. <laughs> You're not really going to be hidden, but I, depending upon your roll. To get me, they got to get him. Okay. <laughs> I may give you partial cover for hiding behind Moyle. I got a three. Well, you're not hiding. I rolled a 22. So Todd slides behind Moyle and immediately begins doing the move where he mimics (laughs) Moyle's movement. movement. (laughs) Exactly, yes. And being slightly shorter, it just it just works. You have full cover behind Moyle now, we'll say. Disrespecting my Fox 7 works perfectly, doesn't it? So that's going to bring us to the Ankegs. There are two of them now. I'm going to say the way that you guys were walking by, he's only able to get Moyle and Todd with the acid spray. And then the other one will get Baba with the acid spray. So the first one's going to fire, fire at Baba, the second one is going to fire at Moyle and Todd because they spray it out in a line. So they they kind of angle away from each other and then 
there's not they don't breathe in because they're insects, but they spray out a line of acid in a 30 feet long, five foot wide spray that goes shooting forward. First, Moyle make a dexterity saving throw and Baba make a dexterity saving throw. You definitely will get uh, advantage on this. Moyle, you just get a flat roll. Well, I rolled a seven. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to last long in this fight. <laughs> Bob, Baba, what did you get? That would be a crit, sir. All right, nat 20 for Baba. All right, so since Moyle did not get out of the way, Todd, you get advantage <laughs> on your saving throw since the first major splash of acid will hit Moyle. So you're just seeing if you can kind of turtle up a little bit behind him and not get any overspray on you. Nat 20. Wow. Okay. So you actually crawl into Moyle's backpack. No, um, <laughs> you are able to completely use Moyle as a human shield, but still there's enough acid that it washes over him. So you are only going to take half damage. Now, Moyle, the good news is while earlier Todd was resistant to fire damage, you are actually resistant to acid damage because you two fuckers are resistant to the two most common types of damage in Dungeons and Dragons. So, oh, acid damage. You're right. Yeah. Oh my God. I was looking at it. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm resistant to lightning. And I was like, I thought I was resistant to something else. Yeah. Oh, just open that little bit up on roll 20. There it is. Frustrating to no end. The two most common types of fucking damage are fire and acid. And the, you, the two most obnoxious motherfuckers are... are <laughs> but I mean, I might be resistant to acid, but I'm not resistant to mushrooms. No, that's true. <laughs> that's true. We have discovered that for sure. So, uh, Moyle, you will take six points of damage. Todd, you take six points of damage. Baba, you take six points You've of damage. You've been hiding, I take the damage. Mm-mm-mm. You took half damage. <laughs> I know. <laughs> because it still, it still burns, Todd. It still burns. Baba, you're up. How far apart are the pancakes? Uh, they're effectively right next to each other. So it's, a, I mean, it's a small pit. They are in the center-ish. Tell me what you're trying to do and I'll tell you what, what. I was trying to position myself so that if one were to try and acid spray me, if the if if they were like behind each other, like I didn't want to be in line for both of their acid sprays is really kind of what I'm trying to do. Oh, man, I should have used my hellish rebuke. You should have. I assume that it had to be melee damage. I did not know that. No, I can... it's any nope. damage. It's just any, any damage. damage. Oh, sorry about that. Don't worry, you'll get the opportunity again. <laughs> so um, I so should have went over tiefling abilities. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I assume it was melee damage. Uh, I mean, you would have to run in between them. To put yourself in that position, Baba. Can I get to them in melee attack? Oh, yeah. You can get down there. Yeah. Is either one of them look bigger than the other? No, they look exactly the same. All right. Well, I'll run up on the closest one. I will rage before running. And then with all the recklessness I can muster because I'm very upset about being burned. Yeah, it bleaches your fur where that spray <laughs> got you a little bit. Yes. Oh, I, I, You're I, slightly gray, dappled gray now. <laughs> We will attack with the Yikula. 16 will hit. For a total of eight damage. Okay. And it will have disadvantage to hit anyone besides myself. So, Bobby, you go bounding down into the sandy pit. Does Bobo wear boots or is he barefoot? Uh, Barefoot, for sure. The sand, a little bit warm underneath your feet as you pad down into it, but you're still able to get a decent stance and you strike up with your Yikula. Yikula? Yikula. God fucking damn it. Yikula. Yik- God damn it. Yikula? Yikula? I or I or why it doesn't matter. Go ahead. Okay, Yikula. It's the, I, I can't help but not put an extra fucking syllable in there somewhere. Yikula. Uh, yeah, there it is. That's, it's Caligula for all I fucking know. You're Caligula. <laughs> Stab into it and are able to find an area where its exoskeleton is kind of jointed and, and 
dig into it uh, for a decent chunk of damage. And some kind of grayish ichor sprays out, but doesn't appear to be acidic. Eldrin, that's your turn. Uh, so I am going to use my bonus action to cast Hunter's Mark on the same the same Ankeg that uh, Baba is attacking. A glowing red arrow appears above the Triceratops-looking praying, praying mantis beast. And then I'm going to take aim and arc a shot over Baba and try to nail that guy with my longbow. And a 28. That's a crit. All right. Net 20. So go ahead and roll damage. A 19 plus... Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so that's 19 plus 9 is 28. Jesus. 28. 28. So these guys had 36 hit points. <laughs> You see Eldrin, majestic as shit, plant his feet, you know, get his little glowing arrow above this thing's head, draw his bow back, and look, you know, the sun just catches the arrowhead for a second. There's a little, and right when you hear that, he releases, it streams over, sinks into this thing's head, and blasts out the back of it. Fate, you're up. We're going to Scorching Ray this guy, the, the remaining Ankeg at second level. So, you know, normally when I go about manifesting my fire spells, I kind of go about summoning power from the bottom of the Ankh. Instead, I'm going to like strike my fingers, the, my three fingers against the side of the Ankh, like I'm lighting a match and fire emanates from there. And then I flick it out. Like a booger. <laughs> yes, like three boogers, like three flaming boogers. Whoa. Okay, Whoa. Okay. Like Super Mario Brothers. You go to reach to give your Ankh a yank and then you kind of <laughs> stop for a second and then just slowly shift from that grip to three finger salute and drag it across and roll your scorching ray shots. 18. Hit. Another 18. Hit. And well over 18. Each one of them is 2d6 fire damage, so that's 66. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you roll sixes on all of them, you'll you'll one-shot this thing. God damn right I will. I probably won't come to it. God damn right I will. Booger missiles at him. Booger missiles! Mm, 16. Or 24? Like, Wait, what? what? Sorry, mean? yeah, I can't add. 24. Uh, it, it just add you looked at the number above it. I, I looked up yeah. at that. Yeah, I did. I did. So your, uh, your flaming fingers uh, streak outward and slam into this thing's thorax, burrowing through the exterior of its exo skeleton and there's a sm- faint smell of how is it is that is that tandoori what is that smell as it burns into it and todd you are your interest is barely peaked that hey you know, maybe maybe <laughs> these things are edible i don't know like maybe hmm, interest, hmm, perhaps i could sous vide using this acid gland <laughs> sous vide. Your, your foodie culinary peaks it's clicked there for a little bit all right cool that brings us back around to the top of the order with mr moyle well i'm not doing so hot so i'm gonna bless at a level one i will tell you you're almost out of combat this thing's not gonna last too much longer and bless is would really only last for the combat what bless does is that gives you a bonus to your saving throws and your attack rolls and everything and bless two other creatures in addition to yourself so like you could bless baba and eldrin as well as yourself and that would give you some some benefits i'm not uh blessing todd because he's already using me as a meat shield yeah, no, 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 fuck Todd. I knew that wasn't an option. <laughs> yeah, well, if we're almost done, then um, I'm just, I'm going to do Sacred Flame, then. You jazz hands out, <laughs> and the mystical flame of Ralashaz streaks toward the beast, and it does not get out of the way. So your flaming jazz hands does seven damage to it. Contributing. Todd? 
Yeah, well, it's it's, it's, a, it's a, a, the fan favorite sneak attack time. Okay, so you're going to dash down into the sand pit and stab it? Uh, Yeah. I mean, you don't have to dash. Your, your, <laughs> yeah. your movement. I might, I might not even dash down. I feel, I'm feeling so confident. I'm slow walking, no. <laughs> looking at this thing right in the eyes as I toss my knife in the air. As I keep walking, my short sword in the air, catching it because I'm this confident in my abilities to end this thing's life. You okay. catching it by the tip of the blade. <laughs> <laughs> Give me your attack roll. He's gonna miss. You shut up. Why are you rolling an advantage? Oh, because that's that's what I did last time. Sorry. 58. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> you, you jerk. You jerk. Historically, we've been given the first role. Was that my teammate who said that? Was, was that a teammate of mine who told me to take the eight? Is that what happened? Uh, wow. You hit. Like I said, I've already walked up slightly, twisting, well, spinning my uh, blade, flipping it up and down. And I walk up to it. It's I hear it screaming. And I just go and I slowly stab, stab the blade into the beast heart underneath the armor. <laughs> where, where's the anchor card? Yeah. What? <laughs> wait, wait, is this my teammate? Is this, are this my teammate? Are this my teammate? <laughs> Let's let him roll damage and we'll see how accurate he was with get stabbing at the heart. So roll damage, Todd, with your sneak attack damage. Oh, wait, oh my God. My teammates are the worst people on the I didn't say I didn't want you to hit it. I just wanted I to know your, you your, I just wanted to know the, uh, okay. the anatomy of an ankh. So 18. All right, so much to everybody's chagrin, apparently Todd, in his pursuit of rare and exotic delicacies, has looked at like a butcher's chart for an ankeg and does seem to know where it's uh, one of its three hearts is located. So he stabs upward, piercing one of it, wounding it severely, but not finishing it off. Oh, well, well, if I didn't finish it off, then let's go back with another attack on my other, with, with my other hand. Okay, that's a hit. All right. Sadly, he didn't kill it the first time. So now he's just shank stabbing this thing multiple times. Stab, 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 stab. Roll damage. He's like, oh, it didn't die? Now I'm going to ruin the meat. <laughs> Six. Oh. Come on. Todd manages to nick another heart, but it is still up and running. Whoa. That is the Ankeg's turn. Gravely wounded and enraged, it looks down at the creature which just stabbed it in two of its three hearts <laughs> and strikes downward. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Apparently weakened from blood loss, its mandibles crash down into the sand right to the left of Todd the tiefling, and he is unfortunately unharmed. That brings us to you, Bob. <laughs> this is the worst. You guys are the absolute worst. If you didn't want to walk it down like a cocky motherfucker, you That's know, the person who says I look majestic as shit every single time they throw they do anything. Whether the attacks or not. Alright, still in his rage, Baba now runs over to the other one and attempts to stab it in its last heart. Okay, roll the hit. Okay. I'm gonna give it to you. With all the cockiness that Todd had on, the, on his first <laughs> walking up and just stabbing it slowly, I do that, but correctly. <laughs> you got to look at him and say, it's right here. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> you have to stab this heart. NK shudders and crashes to the ground. You guys are out of combat. 
So your path forward, you could go check out the cloud if you want. You could go check out the pool of water if you want. Mm-hmm. If you're just going directly forward, that would take you in between a spiky cube and a yeah, 28 is gray ball, 14 is spiky cube, 27 is a black bubbling viscous mass. Let's not do that. Yeah. Or should we? Let's go to gray ball. So we're going to go past the spiky cube towards the the gray ball. What if there's stuff in the spiky cube? Is it the spiky cube of Saturn? The spiky cube appears to be a 20 by 20 by 20 cube of thorny vines, but they actually appear to be made out of some kind of spiky metal. And in the center, you can see a glowing gem. If you advance past that, the, the ball is about a 20 foot in diameter iron sphere, but there is like a hole that looks like it has been something punched its way out of it. Like like if you enclosed uh, something that was super strong inside of an iron sphere and it punched its way out, but the hole is located kind of cocked up pointing towards the sky. So you'd have to climb up on the sphere or rotate it forward for you to be able to crawl into it. But there is a slight pulsing glow inside the sphere. In the, the spike metal cube, mm-hmm. is that does the gem in that look like the one that was in the bush? The one in the bush was was like a red ruby. This is more of a star shaped almost. It has a little bit. Uh, it almost looks a little bit like a uh, the star you would put on top of a Christmas tree. It has kind of a star pattern, but it is glowing with a blue and white light kind of pulsing back and forth. The glow out of the sphere is kind of a greenish pulse. I'm gonna look around for the. For the wave. Hey guys, should we attempt another attempt at getting a gem? I, I think Jazz said he was checking for the cloud. Fade is looking around for the for the heat wave before he does a thing. Give me a perception check. I rolled a oh <laughs> Rolled a nat one. You know for a fact you're safe. This was a low roll between one and ten. Crit failing when it's low is kind of like crit succeeding. So I will tell you, you know for a fact it would be safe for you to cast spells here. All right. So with that in mind, he's going to fire bolt the, the thing. So, 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 so I, I would like to, I would, before he does this, uh, Moyle was such a successful shield last time. I'd like to hide behind Moyle again. <laughs> check behind Moyle. You don't need to, I mean, unless you're trying to do it without him noticing. Yeah, give me a stealth check. <laughs> I didn't know you ever left behind me. <laughs> Listen, what's the bad? I had you. I walked up to try to stab that thing eight times. Give me the stealth check, Todd, to see if you can sidle over behind Moyle as you see Eldrin start to fondle his own. Yeah, yeah, get ready to do what he did last time. That caused so many people so much harm. You are now standing behind Moyle. All right, what are you doing, Fate? Yeah, firebolting the the cube, the viney spiky cube with a 24 to hit. Do I need to roll damage? No, you just shot a firebolt at it, but it's effectively a giant pile of steel. The heat conducts along it, and now you have a glowing red hot 20 by 20 cube of thorns with a gem in the center. Okay, all right, well, huh, that's interesting. All right, so noticing that the heat was absorbed from the firebolt, Fate goes, hmm, and tries it to counteract it with a ray of frost to the same thing. Oof, okay. Oh, no. I need to get behind yourself a moil. <laughs> Couldn't just investigate the bush first, huh? Just yeah, oh, yeah and wait and investigate the bush. I'm not sure why we keep firebolting things without looking at them <laughs> first. I don't, I'm not sure this makes sense. I mean, what are the chances of two things exploding into flame well, the old... when you <sighs> when you rapidly cool superheated metal, 
Oh, Jesus. Uh, it does have a tendency to shatter uh, a little explosively. So everybody give me a dexterity saving throw with Baba and Todd at advantage. As the rapidly heated and then rapidly cooled metal turns into almost a crystalline substance, like a, almost a metallic glass, which then explodes outward, spraying you guys with glass shards. I get advantage on my deck save too, right? No. No? You no. sure? Yep. Seems like a thing. Do I, get, nope. do I get disadvantage because Todd is attached to me? No, no, no. It just, that doesn't penalize you at all, Ma. That, it just gives Todd cover, basically, and a slight advantage in it. Oh, that's a lot. Die. No, they're D4s. So oh. everybody who rolled below a 15 takes 11 points of damage. Everybody who rolls above a 15 takes five points of damage as crystallized metal glass shards spray out and uh, slice you up. The good news is the gem is now sitting in that tangled pile and can be picked up. Uh, oh. I pick it up. <laughs> Why do you pick it up? <laughs> because I'm the most damaged. <laughs> he really has suffered the most out of all of this. Listen, he's got he's got to heal himself as Todd scattles from behind Moyle. He goes and picks it up. You, you know what? Fate's, Fate's not even mad at this. You you go right ahead, yes, Moyle. Right I, I apologize. Uh, thanks, guys. My my actions have clearly caused you some discomfort thank you here. For, for the cover and the heels. So thank you. Can I uh, can I cure myself or do I need, do I need to wait for battle? You what level is prayer of healing? Well, I used level two last time. Yeah, you could burn another level two spell for prayer of healing. And this whole mystical area is magical. Is that right? It is a kind of a wild magic and chaos zone, but it only appears to affect arcane magic. Since you are using divine magic, you can cast safely. Um, because I was thinking of using pass without trace, but since everything's magical, it wouldn't make a difference. They would, I'd be seen. You could use pass without trace, which would give you guys some advantages if you were trying to be sneaky, but you guys have just been strolling straight down past this shit. There's been no attempts at stealth at all at this point. So everyone gets nine points. Uh, everybody gets nine points back. Yeah. yeah. Moyle sits back down, blows out another giant smoke ring that tendrils out to your wounds and picks out the little slivers of metal and glass and then kind of pats you on the head and gives you a lollipop. So you guys are in position now where you can check out the metal sphere if you want or head straight on to the tower and... The beanstalk? Beanstalk, yeah, tower and metal beanstalk. Metal sphere, metal sphere. <laughs> what? Let's do it. Give me the load! Metal sphere, <laughs> metal sphere. Metal sphere. Come on, Jim. I haven't got shit yet. Let's get it. Metal sphere. Oh, there it goes. Metal sphere. Yeah. As long as Moyle is here to hide behind him, good. (laughs) (laughs) Moyle might not be here much longer. (laughs) Moyle doesn't have many more healing bags. That's why I got to hide behind them. I can't just be taking this damage. Come on now. Man, if there was ever a fucking reason to have Mage Hand. (laughs) But no, we'll just explode it. That's cool. <laughs> so the, the metal sphere is a perfectly round metal sphere with a hole that looks like it was punched out from the inside, sitting up at where the hole is positioned almost on a 45 degree angle from its horizontal axis. So you could climb up kind of the side of the sphere with a boost up and crawl in the hole to see what's inside it. Or you could try rolling the sphere. But if somebody's 
crawling up, then you guys definitely would, you, you have to figure out how you're going to do it. Bubba's no longer out front. He's quite disgusted, <laughs> he, he's quite disgusted with all of this. <laughs> Wait, you, you have, you're the tank. You can take the most damage. And I want, I want to tank all the way up to the beanstalk. So <laughs> no, he, he, I'm no longer out front. <laughs> all right. So is anybody going to try and roll the thing over first? Want to just throw a fireball at it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do it, do it. You know what? Fireball the fuck out of asking. <laughs> so fate moves over in front of the hole and lines up like he's getting ready to take a free throw because <laughs> he hasn't missed a firebolt at anything he's tried at so far yet. So now he's gonna try and throw a firebolt directly into the hole. Not, not you know, just just you know, he's gonna line up and try and take a free throw in there. What, what do I need to do for that? Can I say something? For the record, this is a terrible idea. This is. Can I say something? Can I hide behind Todd this time? <laughs> Can I, can I say something? Does it need to be said? I'm doing a stealth check to hide behind Morley. Does it need to be said still? Yes, it needs to be said and it needs okay. to be rolled. Okay. Can I at the last minute turn around so Todd is actually the one hit? Stealth check, you don't get to see it. I'm stealthily hiding behind you. Oh. 21. So a 21 stealth, you're able to step behind Moyle. Now, Moyle, what we're going to do here is you and Todd roll an opposed dexterity check. Just flat dexterity, both of you. 19. 19. Got him. Yes, Moyle. Now that you ask, if if something goes down and you want to do like a little spin move and pivot yourself behind Todd when it happens. Last minute. Yep. <laughs> You will be able to do so, and you will get advantage on whatever saving throw happens. Yes, yes. Wait, wait, wait. May I ask a question? May I ask a question? How does that work? He can't hide behind me. No, but you follow my movements, and so, and you're attached to my back. You're but you can't. You shouldn't get advantage. Like I'm sucking your you wheel, get, and I'm just sh- gonna flip this baby you- Todd over to the molten steel. <laughs> the, the DM makes the rules. You are six five, over three hundred pounds. I am a five seven. You this, even if you change positions with me, I'm crossing you you over hit. like Allen Iverson. If you want to get real fucking crunchy with the rules with it, Harlan, you hiding behind Moyle would be full cover. Moyle hiding behind you would be partial cover. But when it comes to saving throws, advantages, advantages, <laughs> advantage. If you want me to give you disadvantage, because this entire time, I didn't give Moyle disadvantage. You're just not getting a boost up this time. So quit bitching. Who's doing what with the hole? I was supposed to be doing the smart thing. Now you're taking my trick. Yeah. (laughs) Third time is not the fucking charm. It's not. I guess fool me once. (laughs) I guess that goes back. Can't get fooled again. Can't get fooled again. Keep on rolling, baby. All right. Fate, you're throwing a firebolt into this. Fate, Fate saunters over. You hear him. He's on fire. Let's loose. Ooh. <laughs> Another 24. <laughs> I am going to need you to roll damage this time. Ooh. All right. Six points of damage. All right, Fate, you step back, you flip a firebolt up in the hole, you hear a almost like a sizzling and a crackle and a pop, and then the green glow seems to fade to about half of what it was before. All right, well, that's probably enough of that. Anybody else got any ideas? <laughs> what if I throw one of my hammers in there? Yeah, I guess. I mean, you probably get your... Would definitely come back out? It magically returns to you, yes. Yes, let's do it. I don't know why this would do anything because I feel like you have to get in there. I will say it doesn't teleport 
back to you? It does fly back to you trying to avoid any obstacles in its path. So it would fly back out the hole that it flew in. So it's not like in the future you can throw it at something and then jump behind Todd and have the hammer come flying back through Todd Thor style. <laughs> um, you, it would go around Todd to, to pop back into your hand. So. But it's not like I could I couldn't like jump or, or go around the uh sphere and then it would come out the side that doesn't have the hole, would it? Like does it take the, the shortest journey without Yeah, I mean yeah, shortest direct line back to you uh, going around any obstacles. Assuming you can roll above a ten, you're able to arc your hammer in there, it'll clang down to the ground and then return back to you back the way it came. I guess it wouldn't do anything because it's not gonna pick up the gem in there. Well, let's do it anyways. Put some glue on it. Uh, 11, one more than 10. <laughs> All right. So you step back, flip it up there. It clinks off the edge and drops in. I mean, it barely gets in. But then you hear it clang down to the ground. It sounds like it landed on top of something for a second. And then it flies back out and returns to your hand. Well, that was uh, the most I could think of. Todd, any ideas? Or are you just going to keep hiding? I don't have any ideas for myself. We've we've thrown fire uh, of arcane source in there. We've actually made physical contact with the hammer. Nothing ill has seemed to happen yet. Let's just uh, let's try and roll it over and see if we can get whatever's in here out. Okay, I I need you guys to be very explicit about what you're doing. Who's rolling over? Uh, <laughs> I would like for everyone to like. I'll start motioning for everybody to kind of gather around behind me. We're just going to put hands on it and like roll the thing until the upward facing hole is pointing downward and the, whatever's inside falls out. So you're pushing it along the axis. Uh, so basically you'd be pushing it. Roll it towards the beanstalk though. Yeah, you could do that way, but you'd have to go around a full circuit. So the hole is like on the side where the 28 is at. So shortest route would be to push it towards the pool of water. But if you want to take it all the way back around, you could push it towards the beanstalk. I'm saying roll towards the beanstalk. You guys, what do you think? Why? Because that's where we're headed. I don't want to roll it at all. I don't want to be near that thing. I just wanted to flip it over and get the thing inside of it out. I want to go to the beanstalk without having half my life gone. So so we're just giving up on this and going to the beanstalk then? No. <laughs> I mean, I do want to see what's inside. I just don't want to... See it that close. <laughs> of course you don't. How tall? How tall is it again? Twenty feet. It's a thirty foot diameter sphere. Or I'm sorry, twenty twenty foot. I said twenty foot diameter sphere. So the hole, the lip of the hole is about thirteen feet, fourteen feet up off the ground. So I mean, somebody, if somebody got on the other person's shoulders, they could look down into it. Man, who's second tallest? I'm six five. How tall are y'all? Probably about. How big is the hole? Is is the hole itself big enough for like a body to fit through? It's exactly the shape of if a human-sized creature pounded its way out of a solid iron sphere. Huh. Okay, who wants to get on my shoulders? Man, if only somebody could just like jump up there into that hole or something. But I can't jump out. Well, no, you can look in. You can look in and it'll be like a Coachella. You could, No, you could jump in and jump out. How long do I get to use this thing for? It was like a minute or so, wasn't it? It don't take a minute to jump into someone. One jump. A minute lasts much longer than one jump. Can cast jump on myself once per rest. The jump spell lasts for as long as diamonds. Forever. One minute. So what you're saying is Todd would jump, target this hole, and try and jump into it. <laughs> I don't like you laughing. I don't like you laughing. I'm trying like to walk. It. I'm trying to walk through the plan. Jump into this hole. Locate whatever is producing the glow. Grab it and jump out by myself in less than sixty seconds. I mean, I mean, you're fast. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's come on. It's Todd. It's not like he's got a whole lot to search around. 
You're pretty fast, Todd. I think you can do this. <laughs> yeah. he, he does a sub six mile. Yeah. Oh, you, no. <laughs> I mean, if you're not fast, then just tell us and just don't do it. Your words have come back to haunt you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Todd is not dumb. Todd is cocky. Todd is very cocky. Todd is not. You dumb. know what? I don't think Jack, I don't think Todd can make that jump. I think he can. I don't think he can Listen. either. Clearly, if he could, he would do it. He's obviously he clearly can't make this jump because yeah, if he could do it, he would do it just to show us all that he can make this jump. I'm not even worried about the jump. I'm worried about going down there, getting my face punched out, and no one else going down there to help me. That's what, that's what I'm more worried about. I mean, we'll just roll it. So now you're telling me you lose fights. Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm telling you I'm soft and squishy. Oh. You know what? You know what? You know what, though? All right. I'm going to go down there. I'm not going to use my jump until I get down there. Okay, so he gets on my shoulders to get in there. So someone, yeah, put me on the shoulders, uh, cast that feather fall on me so I don't fall and hurt myself when falling into this chasm. It's 13 feet. You're going to be fine. 13 feet. Yeah, you can do a tumble roll. Wait, it's only 13 feet. You fell 13 feet. feet. I, don't even need, yeah. I don't even use the jumping for that, really, do I? You're not going to take falling damage from, from climbing in. You can slide in. It's a sphere. Moyle and Todd give me athletics checks, if that's what we're doing. All right. We're like uh, the cheerleaders from SNL. Somebody bring me back to life when this, when this doesn't work. Oh, my God. Athletics, seven. All right. Oh, my athletics is a six. This is crazy. God, this is the... I don't get it. I never get it. I, I try and lift him up and he slips. And I fart right in your face. That's <laughs> pretty much what happens. Like, I goes to boost him up and because of the angle of the hill, doesn't quite get his footing and then stumbles backwards as Todd farts in his face. <laughs> and so Todd, as he starts to fall, grips the edge of the hole where the sphere is, which begins rolling downhill towards Moyle and Todd. Both of you guys give me dexterity saving throws. This is ridiculous. 14. 12. Both of y'all roll out of the way as the iron sphere rolls downhill to come resting in the center of the pool, whole side down at number six. Oh. I'm not going to that. Number six is where those that guy chose wrongly at. I'm not going over there. Yeah, no. I'm not touching that water. <laughs> wait, wait. It, the, the, the ball isn't like rusting really quickly, is it? No. No? Well, okay. I'm, Just make sure. Mean? Anyways, well... You know, because the water aged stuff really quickly and it's made the ball is made out of steel. Oh, I see. Is that still could that just be because that cloud was over there or was that just for the magic? I don't know. All right. Well, that was a failed attempt. Let's just move on to the uh, the beanstalk. Okay. That was clearly a failed attempt. Wait, wait, wait. We don't want to throw a fire pulse at it now. (laughs) (laughs) I figured that was coming. I feel like this is a firebolt moment. I mean, we could we could be dis- we could destroy that lake as well. Yeah. So you know what? We're gonna. Uh, I, I got you, Moy. Hold on. So we're gonna walk all the way over to the beanstalk. Okay. And then I'm gonna firebolt the whole pool. Okay, I'm just yeah. gonna throw a firebolt into the water. <laughs> what is what is the range on firebolt? 120 feet. Okay. Roll your perception check. Oh crap! I forgot about this. Mm. Uh, 21. Yeah, it is not safe for you to cast a spell right now. 
Oh God! Ooh, Jesus. Okay. All right. Ooh. All right. Um. Then never. You know what? Um. Oh, thaumaturgy, and it. No, 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 no. Jostles it slightly so that it fills up with water, <laughs> or whatever liquid is in that. Let's just not. There's a there's a thing going on, Moyle. It's dangerous for fate. It's not dangerous for Moyle. Moyle isn't channeling the same kind of energy that it interacts with the the chaos field. So Moyle, you're you're trying to cast thaumaturgy and, and have what happen? I, it'll uh, so right now nothing's Whoa. getting into the into the hole because of where it's lying, right? Uh, the hole is face down. So if you if you thought of like a like a pool ball, like an eight ball, the number eight would be on the felt right now. So that hole is down uh, underneath the water in the mud. But it's like uh, it's like a canoe, right? Where there's an air pocket. Like it's upside down, you know, so like you could breathe. Yeah, I mean, you could you could uh, assume uh, in normal logical circumstances that there would be a pocket of air inside the mystical iron orb that is in a pool of water that you saw kill a guy 15 minutes ago. Oh, but it's like, but it's mostly filled up. Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, no. I mean, from what, I mean, you do give me a, fuck, uh, let's say nature check. (laughs) (laughs) What would be the appropriate skill to figure the volume of mass of a 30 foot iron sphere and the displacement? It would, I mean, just here, give me a, give me, give me a nature check. 17. I'm, I'm learning something. Yeah, you would think it was about like a third full of water right now. Oh, okay, okay. I thought it was like I thought it was like in a way that it wasn't like it was floating. No, no, no. It's like it's. I mean, you can see the top third of it above the water. The two thirds of it is underwater. But you're right. Enough air is trapped into it that I mean, if you wanted to try and swim down into that pool, the pool of death. Mm. Mm. and push it aside and then crawl up in it, there would be an air pocket in there, sure. No. <laughs> or does anyone, what What do you guys want to do? The beanstalk? We're at the beanstalk. Let's go ahead and climb the beanstalk. Okay, okay let's go to the beanstalk. 